0: We'll be opening to Luke chapter 2 this morning. Um, I do come bearing uh, many well wishes uh, from the congregation in Kansas City. They send their love. They too are rejoicing uh, for you all for this place and rejoice in the faithfulness of the Lord. So I send their love or bring their love to you all. So in Luke chapter 2, I'm sure this is no surprise at all that we have opened to Luke chapter 2 this morning here on a, a Christmas Eve morning. But we'll read... Verses 4 through 7 here to kick off. Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house in the lineage of David to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. So it was while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the end in the end. A familiar passage, no doubt, to all of us here, especially this time of year. Um, If I would have come up here without putting the slide up on the screen, I probably could have taken a vote of what passage you might think we were going to open to this morning, and I imagine we would have got some Luke uh, 2 votes out there. It's a a passage that is being read, I'm sure, all over the world um, today and tomorrow, and rightfully so. It speaks of that moment in time that changed the world forever, changed our lives forever. Where Matthew quoted the prophecy from Isaiah 7, he said, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, God with us. Sounds familiar. Sounds like we've sung about that this morning. God with us, he left heaven above to dwell on earth below. The moment planned from eternity past that God ordained to redeem mankind, to send his son to die for you and me. And while we could spend much time, and I think it would be a joyous time to be spent in that study, that's not so much what we're going to focus on, though in totality we are going to look at the birth of Christ. But that last part of verse 7 is what the Lord put on my heart this morning. There was no room for them in the end. In the end. As we just read, the circumstances of his birth were very mean, were very just unfortunate the way that they came to pass just from a human standpoint to have a child with no place a mother in need no one willing to give christ was born in a stable or a barn i remember as a young person in the winter time this time of year snowing outside i would come in from playing and of course my parents would say were you born in a barn because i would leave the door open Well, if you were to ask Jesus that, I think he very literally could say, yeah, as a matter of fact, I was. Um, And so Jesus could leave the door open in the winter all that he wanted. He'd earned it, right? Jesus, the Savior of the world, was literally born in a barn. And again, just in our world, in our time, that's something that's just so foreign to us. Really, here in the States, the majority of our babies are born in a very clean and sterile environment in a hospital. Now, in the line of work that I do, I've seen babies born in some very... Unique circumstances and, and not very sterile places, but generally speaking, when we think of babies being born, it's a very clean hospital-type setting. That doesn't really happen um, in too many other places around the world. This was the the fact that he was born outside of a hospital because there were no true hospitals in this time is not what is shocking. It's that there was no room for him anywhere else other than in this barn. We think of this family looking for a place. to to rest after this long journey. Obviously, it would have been apparent that Mary was pregnant. Again, you can think that at the innkeeper's door to see a young family, a wife who was with child, to just be turned away. Again, that is very sad, very mean, very unfortunate circumstances. But it was in that that the Lord was teaching us from the very moment of his time to come on this earth. There was no room. People weren't eager to welcome him in, whether just in that natural sense to bring a mother in need into their home, the world wasn't looking for him. And that's why he came, to save a world so cold, so hollow, so empty, a world that wouldn't even give him a place to lay his head. How cruel that this world can be. And when we look around, and I won't wax on about current uh, events and circumstances and politics, but the world's not much different Today. It's cold, it's hollow, it's empty at times. And this is a time, as Chris prayed, to be reminded of the love, the gift that God has given to this world. Jesus, Christ, born for us, born for humanity. And as we go on today, we'll ask ourselves this question. Is there room in our heart for the Lord? Is there room in that figurative manger, if you will, that we could say is our heart? Is there room for the Lord to come in and make himself at home? He stands at the door knocking, waiting, wanting for us to open up and invite him in and give him free reign to take over every part of our lives. To write his story on our hearts, to be a a blank notebook that he can write out his plans and purposes on each one of our hearts to carry forth and to do his will. So as we examine this thought this morning, let's just start here with Mary and Joseph. And we can go to Luke, the first chapter, back one, chapter two, verse 30 this is before the birth of Jesus. This is the angel coming to speak to Mary, and we're jumping in in the middle of the account here. But the angel said to her in verse 30, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. No doubt this must have been just a striking moment in time. Again, we've we've talked about these circumstances before, the angel speaking to you. The Lord speaks to our heart today and puts things on our heart. And there's times that We don't always welcome that message that comes. Here Mary is being told, you will be with child. And, of course, we know the story, well, I haven't known a man in all these other circumstances. I'm sure that there were doubts and fears. And I think if Mary really wanted to to say, time out, no, I don't want any part of this, I think she probably could have done so. But we know the story. We know that she was highly favored. The Lord knew her heart. She was one seeking the consolation of Israel. She was the one seeking and waiting for the Messiah. She believed, she accepted, and even more so, she welcomed. You can go on and down to verse 38 there, and it says that Mary said, behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. What a great testimony and example Mary is for us in our lives. Let it be to me, When the Lord calls upon us to do something that isn't exactly what we want to do, to be somewhere that we don't exactly want to be, the Lord can bring peace. He can bring growth. He can bring fruit in those circumstances. And it came to pass just as it was prophesied, like we read in our opening text. First, they had the journey to Bethlehem. It wasn't enough that that she was going to carry this child, but then she had to take what we would call a road trip, but it was not a road trip in the old family SUV It was a much less pleasant, arduous journey that she had to take. Again, especially when you're with child. But it was all according to God's plan. Again, a pagan king, a ruler, made this decree, and it brought about God's will perfectly. Again, the Lord rules and overrules. They came to Bethlehem and were turned down. They were turned away and ended up here in that musty old barn. And yet in it they made room. Mary and Joseph made room. They found a manger, cleared it out, and made a place to lay the Savior of the world. And my heart is touched when we sing those songs that we sang this morning. That holy night, that hallelujah chorus, Emmanuel, God was born to save us. What a great plan of redemption that the Lord had orchestrated and brought about for us. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He left heaven above to save us, to come to a place that wouldn't even make room for him. Again, just in our own minds, when we try to rationalize that in our own self and emotions, we are very self-focused creatures by nature. And when we think about wanting to do something for somebody, typically it's easy to do something and be kind to somebody who's kind to you. But when somebody's not kind to you or mean or just a little bit ornery even. Those aren't the people that we just seek to go out of our way to help or have a desire to help. Or maybe that's just me. Maybe you guys don't have those same type of emotions. But this is why he came. He knew there was going to be no room. Again, I, I my mind could go down so many rabbit holes, but to, to be thinking from that, that spot of the triune God to say, you know, let's Let's go save the world. And, you know, if, if we're having this conversation of God and Jesus, and I probably shouldn't do this, but Jesus, I'm going to send you to die for them again. And by the way, you're, you're not going to have any place to really be born. We're going to put you in a, a feeding trough. Again, that doesn't sound very appealing, but it was exactly what the world needed to see, to hear, to experience. That invitation is open to us today. Is there room in our hearts for him today. So, as we go on this morning, we'll just ask or examine a few questions: What do we make room for in our own lives? What should we make room for in our lives, and how do we make room in our lives? So, let's start with that first question: What do we make room for, just in the natural, in our lives? So, we'll go to Luke in fourteen, and we'll read here an, an example or a parable that, that Jesus is teaching here about a ruler, a master who wants to give. Give freely of his wealth, freely of his abundance to those around him. So here's the parable beginning in verse 16. Then he said, a certain man gave a great supper and invited many. And he sent his servant at supper time to say to those who were invited, come, for all things are now ready. But they with all one accord began to make excuses. The first said to him, I have bought a piece of ground, and I must go and see it. I asked you to I ask you to have me excused. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen, and I am going to test them. I ask you have me excused. Still another said, I have married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. So that servant came and reported these sayings to his master. Then the master of the house, being angry, said to the servant, Go quickly into the streets, the lanes of the city, and bring in here the poor, the maimed, the lame, and the blind. And the servant said, Master, it is done as you have commanded, and there is still room." Then the master said to the servant, Go out into the highways and hedges and compel them to come in, that my house may be filled. For I say to you that none of those men who were invited shall taste my supper. Again, so many lessons that we could learn from this parable. But we can see this great feast, this great invitation. Again, the correlation to the great invitation that God has made. Whosoever will may come. Whosoever will can come in and dine and feast. In this great supper that the Lord has prepared, again, there were these that were invited, and we think about the the question that's laid before them. Look, the, the time is now; the feast is ready. Come in. And many were full of excuses. In our lives, we make room for a lot of things: work, school, friends, family, hobby, recreation, and things of the like. And none of those things are really bad in and of themselves. We see here that one said, "I bought a piece of ground." He he made an investment. That's a good thing. Another said, I bought five yoke of oxen. I have work to do. And then another said, I've married a wife. And I could go a lot of different directions on this one. But it's Christmas Eve, so we're just going to stay the course here and say, this was a very good relationship that he entered into. And he wanted to spend every waking moment with the love of his life. So he asked to be excused. And there's nothing wrong with these things with making investments, with having work, with having relationship. None of those things by themselves are wrong. But it can be easy for us to make room for those things at the cost, at the expense of the Lord. Of our time with him, our opportunity with him to feast and to dine on his word, to spend time in prayer. We get busy. It's just a fact of life. We push things aside just to to get everything done. Again, before we left, I had a list of things that I needed to get done before we left, and I just simply ran out of time because we were too busy. I pushed those aside. I prioritized other things and said that whatever that is that I needed to do is not that important. When it comes to the things of the Lord, we need to understand he must be the priority. He must be our preeminence. He must be on our schedule in our appointment book each and every day, if you will, figuratively to make room in our hearts and our minds that we may turn our focus upon him. And again, this isn't some sort of guilt trip of, you know, we can't do other things. We can't experience life. We can't have these things that I just mentioned. But we do have to have a priority in our lives and in investments, work relationships, different things. Just in a natural sense, if I don't pour myself out to the Lord or or rather let him pour himself into me, I'm really not going to be much good at those things. I'm not going to be the type of employee or supervisor or whatever it is, coworker that I can and should be if I haven't allowed the Lord to come in and take over my life. I'm not going to be the kind of husband or father to my family if I don't put the Lord first in everything. Again, that doesn't mean that we don't participate in activities or go on vacations and things like that. But we must understand that Christ must have that first place. We must make room for him in our hearts. Each and every day, this master invited any who would come because those who were too busy, rejected, turned away, or simply just didn't have time to deal with it. Let's turn over back a couple chapters in Luke chapter 12, where we see another another example of what we make room for at times in our lives. In Luke 12, we'll read verses 16 through 20. Luke 12 and 16, it says, Then he spoke a parable to them, saying, the ground of a certain man the ground of a certain rich man yielded plentiful, and he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do since I have no room to store my crops?" So he said, "I will do this, I will pull down my barns and build greater, and there I will store all my crops and my goods, and I will say to my soul, Soul, you have many goods laid up for many years. take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry again. The Lord blesses us with abundance in material things, oftentimes he gives us the needs that we have. He satisfies our every need. He meets them according to his riches and glory. But here we see, I I don't have room for more. I need need room for more material things. So I'm going to tear down these barns and build bigger barns so I can store even more and more wealth. Again, in our lives, we can have all those things. We, We can have good jobs, nice homes, all those things, jobs, whatever it may be. But first and foremost, the Lord must be at the forefront, in the center of those things. As this parable, that the trust becomes putting in these bigger barns, these bigger storehouses. And if we put our trust in things that will evaporate, that will go away, that we really have no control over, we'll find up in verse 20 where it says, But God said to him, Fool, this night your soul will be required of you. Then whose things will those be which you have provided? Again, they'll just go away. They'll go to somebody else he worked his whole life to have all these things, to make room for more and more things. It's not what the Lord desires. Again, he blesses and he gives us opportunity and he allows us to to be promoted at work and to have pay increases and all those things, which I'm thankful for. And the opportunities when they come up, take them as the Lord allows. But understand that in the light of eternity, it's not going to matter what our job title was, what our bank account looked like. It's going to matter the investments we made in the Lord and spending time with him not being so packed full of other things that we miss out on the opportunity to know him more, to experience that hope that Jeremiah speaks of where he says, I I know the plans I have for you. And those are plans to give you a future and a hope, to hear the word that goes out to all, to not block it out, to not let weeds come in and choke out the word of God, the cares of life that are often necessary. Again, like we read about in that parable in Luke, The land, the oxen, the wife, those things that are our daily responsibilities. I would say at times even our daily need that the Lord gives us because he works in them and through them to teach us, to show us, to grow us. But it's not just to make room for things. It's to make room for him, to allow him to come in and sit as ruler on the throne of our heart. That figurative manger that we spoke about being our heart, to turn that dirty manger into a throne which he can rule in. So what should we make room for? Again, Moving on to our next question here, it's simply put, it's we need to make room for Jesus, make room for him, for him who brings life and calls things that are not as they are. And we'll look at a couple of examples here really of a literal making room for Jesus during his time here on earth, going to Matthew chapter 9. In Matthew chapter 9, we'll read verses 23 through 25. Beginning in verse 23, we see, When Jesus came into the ruler's house and saw the flute players and the noisy crowd wailing, he said to them, Make room, for the girl is not dead but sleeping. And they ridiculed him. But when the crowd was put outside, he went in and took her by the hand, and the girl arose. Again, so many different lessons there. But Jesus comes in and says, Make room, again, obviously physically for him to come into the presence of that girl who was asleep, figuratively being dead. And when we look at this this time and these flute players, and again, there's mourning going on here, some of it really sincere and some maybe not so much. But at the core, we look at this moment for this family, this sorrow and loss that was undoubtedly filling their hearts and their lives and their times. And that's not to belittle that, because sorrow and loss are real. The pain and the hurt are very real. The separation is real and emotional. But even in these times, do we make room For the Lord to come in. In those times of deep distress and great sorrow, literally the Lord was coming in to touch this girl's hand. Again, it's not that the Lord is going to bring back our loved ones every time they perish. In fact, it's going to be quite the opposite. But he's going to come in and take our hands and fill our hearts with peace that passes understanding. Despite the despair and sorrow, he's going to fill our lives with joy as we make room for him. Again, it doesn't make the pain go away. It doesn't make the difficulties, and this is just an example of the loss of a loved one. But you can think in your lives, when we have sorrow, when we have distress, when we have anxiety, what, what is it that is driving that? Typically, it's a looking to ourself, a looking inward for, for hope, for peace, instead of looking upward to the Lord who gives it all, that peace that passes understanding. Again, no doubt that Mary and Joseph found that night in the barn. Again, as you can imagine their lives making this journey and coming to this place and knowing that the, the time for this birth is imminent, there must have been distress with no place to go. Again, I can think of, you know, back when we had our kids, if there were no place to go, I would, there would be a certain level of anxiety for me driving around trying to figure out what, what are we going to do in this situation. But we see they simply just let the Lord work his perfect work. And there was peace that came over them. There was joy that night as Jesus was born. As Brother Doug mentioned a moment ago, the heavens opened up and the angels proclaimed, rejoiced, and cried out because of this moment that they were looking for, waiting for, anticipating. Many times in our lives, we just need to push out the noise, the distraction in our lives and be very purposeful in getting in the presence of the Lord. Another parable we won't turn to for time's sake, but that paralytic man that his friends were carrying. They wanted to see Jesus, but there was no room. The door was crowded. They couldn't get past the crowd. So they went to the roof and opened it up, and they made a way. Again, not that Jesus is ever hiding from us or makes obstacles in our ways to get to him, but at times there's just busyness. There's just cares of life that we have to put aside sometimes. And in, in, the, in the light of this parable, there's times we just have to get up on the roof and open it up and look down and see Jesus waiting there. Waiting to bless, waiting to work in these situations that seem like they're impossible. Again, the opening text, Mary, you're going to have a child, but all these things, I, I, haven't, I don't know a man, I'm not married, fill in the blank. And the Lord looks upon those opportunities and says, perfect, perfect, because you can't do it, will show that I can do it. With man, things are impossible, with God, all things are possible. If you only believe, and as that man was lowered down through the roof, Jesus saw their faith and he said, Son, your sins are forgiven you. When we come into our presence, when we come and find the Lord, when we push other things out of our way and come to his presence, he blesses us. So how do we do that? How do we make room for the Lord? Let's go to Hebrews chapter 13. In Hebrews 13, we'll read verses 12 down through 16. It says, Therefore Jesus also that he might sanctify the people with his own blood suffered outside the gate. Therefore, let us go forth to him outside the camp, bearing his reproach. For we have no continuing city, but we seek one to come. Therefore, by him, let us continually offer, offer the sacrifice of praise to our God. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. But do not forget to do good and to share. For with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. We go to him. How do we make room? We make room by going to him, whether it's, pushing through the, the crowd, making room, getting others out of the room so that Jesus can work, or having to go up to the roof as those with the paralytic man did. Because we understand that we go outside of this world, this system, these comforts of these lives that, that just tell us this is the way it has to be. These are the things that you have to do. We need to leave the camp and go out where Jesus is. Find him in those moments of peace and quiet away from the hustle and bustle of life. There was no room at the inn But there was plenty of room at the stable for people to come and see and worship and bring gifts to the Lord. We find no permanent dwelling here, and we need not put down roots that are so deep we can't pull them up at a moment's notice. Letting the Lord have first place in our lives, every area of our lives, being intentional in our walk, in our choices to him. Joshua, as he was speaking to the children of Israel, he said, Now, therefore, Fear the Lord, serve him in sincerity and truth, and put away the gods which your father served on the other side of the river and in Egypt. Serve the Lord. And he goes on to say, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. And he quotes, or he, he says what we quote often, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Joshua was intentional in his choices, in the way that he was going to lead the people, in the way that he was going to lead his family. A choice to put away the distractions to the children of Israel. Put away the gods that were on the other side of the river and focus on the Lord. He emphatically says, serve the Lord. That was his instruction to the children. Despite all the unknowns of what was coming, the journey that lie ahead, not having gone this way before, but knowing that the Lord would go before them, that the Lord would win and fight the battle for them, they simply had to follow. Our desire should be to grow and to follow him. We are members of his household. As Paul tells the Ephesians, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but you are members of the household of God. And he goes on to say, on a very individual, personal level, he says, you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. Make room in our lives. We are no longer strangers, foreigners. We are children of God because Jesus was born, because Jesus lived, because Jesus died, because Jesus was raised again. How blessed we are to have this solid foundation to build upon. How solid we are or how blessed we are to have this dwelling place to live in and that solid foundation upon which the Lord desires to build. He who promised is faithful. He will bring it to pass. Kind of circling back to our opening text in our minds of can you imagine when Jesus was born and Mary got to hold him and think wow it came to pass just like the Lord said it was going to despite those fears, the sacrifices that were made. When we get to see Jesus face-to-face, I pray and hope and know that we will all say it was worth it. It was worth the sacrifice. Coming to worship in this place, in this building, was worth the sacrifice, to have a place to worship and praise and exalt the Lord. Our time is now. The day of preparation is now. Daily choosing to surrender knowing that he will be with us through the ups and downs, the joys and pains of life. We can make room for him in our lives. And when we do, it will change us, it will sanctify us, it will transform us. When we give him our all, we give him our dreams, our desires, those things we read about earlier, the investment, job, relationship, whatever it is, when we give those all to him, he will turn them to glory. Because they will be in his will, according to his will, his plans and purposes for us. He will fill our hearts with joy and peace by being in his presence. We'll close this morning in Psalms 37, a passage that talks about the heritage of the righteous. And we see the choices of the righteous in this Psalm of David. In verse 1 in Psalm 37, we read, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> verse 1, Psalms 37 says, Do not fret because of evildoers, nor be envious of the workers of iniquity." For they shall soon be cut down like grass and wither like the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. Delight yourself also in the Lord and he shall give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him and he shall bring it to pass. He shall bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. This passage is a good summary of the result of the one who makes room for the Lord in their lives. Walking with him brings joy, peace, really a depth of peace that this world does not know. When we surrender to him, when we allow him to have room, he does an amazing work in us and through us. Making room is what we read here in this passage. If you go through in your, in your Bible, if you're one that highlights or underline, and you look at these words here, trust, do good, dwell, feed, delight, commit, trust, all these things are what the child of God should do in making room for the Lord to have his way. And when we do, he shall bring to pass his perfect will. He shall bring forth his righteousness in our lives, and he shall give us the desires of our hearts, because we will be desiring all that he has for us. Our opening text read as this, and she brought forth her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling cloths, and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for him in the end. They found no place at the keeper's door, and that was exactly what the Lord was trying to show. This world needs to make room to show us our need, for he desires that He desires to change and grow us. He came that we might learn to give him our all. And again, just in the natural Christmas morning tomorrow, we exchange gifts, and there's nothing wrong with that. As a child, if my parents were to come to me and say, but wait, Scott, we have more. There's more gifts downstairs. Let's go downstairs and open more gifts. Scott, there's more gifts upstairs. Let's go upstairs and open more gifts. Saints, that's what the Lord does for us each and every day. But wait, there's more. There's more, more of him. Thank God for this wonderful, indescribable gift of his son. Make room for all of him, not just this day, but every day. Lord bless you.